KBOO Portland. Juneteenth, celebrating the end of slavery, is coming this Sunday. Moving on, we'll be honoring Juneteenth this Friday, right after the noon news to 1.30. We'll be hearing from Laura Love, Rhiannon Giddens, Odetta, Paul Robeson, and many others. Join host Don Jacobson to celebrate with music the end of slavery and support the struggle to end racism in this country. That's this coming Friday, right after the noon news, only on KBOO. Welcome to the Talking Earth. You're listening to KBO Portland, 90.7 near FM dial. Um, my engineer, Patrick Bucard, is here with me, and uh, we're in my uh, death room, my silly room. Um, this uh, June month is, they finally resumed it. Uh, the Rose Festival stuff is happening. I visited the Starlight Parade. I'd like to talk about that a little bit in a minute. And I wrote the Roses of Portland in 1974. But it's not about me. And then I think uh, the issue of gay pride. They're uh, actually the Oregonian, the Boregonian, I call it, uh, actually um, had some stuff in there. And, and there's a new film about the First World War poets uh, how gay bonded they were and that's one thing but the rose of the portland and um oh well rose fest rose festival yeah rose festival so i would call this program god help us uh and we're gonna try to make a whole mix out of this move fast the uh pride and the roses meaning the Rose Festival in June, uh, and, and meaning um, uh, Gay Pride. And and then, actually, Patrick, help me, Juneteenth comes out, doesn't it? The uh, black uh, celebration, they're, they're going to do reparations for black people. Don't worry, I think it's the 19th. Juneteenth is... Yeah. We're going to do the Rose Festival and uh, sort of the history of, of gay pride, but uh, I was blown away. I could start, uh, well, I was at the Starlight Parade, and you know what? It went on for two hours, and it was beautiful. The marching bands, I hate marching bands, but the high school kids yeah, just struggling in the rain, all their beautiful energy, and, yeah. and it was... Uh, in fact, the Oregonian described it or something that they, the ro the the main parade won't go over there where it went through downtown and I got trapped uh, a little down there and I, I really enjoyed it down by Powell's, uh, I call it Bowles bookstore, but that's all right, don't worry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I, uh, would ask you, well, you're 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 you you've got something to share, but let, let's get into the Rose Festival a little bit. And what is intriguing about that is, uh, I wrote the Roses of Portland in 1974, uh, and I had gone to many Rose Festivals, and um, and the Oregon Journal. He later became a sort of a friend, but this is kind of funny. He was with the Oregon Journal before the Oregonian crushed the journal and and there was a paper that tried to wedge its way in there called The Reporter. There's a lot of history because I am in history. So this was the, um, he gave me so much publicity on this in the Oregon Journal, Doug Baker. Did you ever have uh, encounter him? He, no, no. Uh, he has no. big cigar and his jaw, jaw chops there. And uh, so his article, he didn't know me. Manure for the roses. <laughs> he called my little 50 cent uh, 
pamphlet that I had 3,000 copies made and I sold them on the street. Walt Curtis of Oregon City calls himself a poet, but he doesn't know the difference between poetic expression and dumb. Now, can you beat that? That's good stuff. I remember a year or so ago, Curtis was beginning himself as the, quote, best poet in the Northwest. He is not a humble pie poet. Once Curtis wrote me an honor which he would challenge any poet to a contest to reading poetry, <laughs> Curtis fancies himself not only as a wordsmith, but he likes the sound of his own voice. <laughs> Pretty funny stuff, actually. <laughs> Portland's unofficial poet laureate, I guess that meant, was meant me in 1974, is another of Curtis's view of himself. I have walked these streets, and we're gonna mention the rose is important here, and I'm gonna read something. Think of me at midnight walking in the rain with a rose clenched in my teeth. And this is very condescending. I've tried to think of Walter that way. <laughs> Some of the things he writes do tend to resemble poetry and he loves Portland or he did love it. And I feel a kinship with him when he describes the passing of the 19th century vestiges. When they tore down the building, St. Mary's Academy, I swore I would leave Portland, writes Curtis. I should have. There's no 19th century Portland left. The only Portland I ever cared for. No sailors with white roses in their lice-infested hair or green parrots rolling on their salt shoulders. Or similar mood, he pays tribute to misty rain, dramatic rhododendrons, goose hollow, the strength of the West Hills, the Iron Front Hotels, all pretty much now lost to what Curtis calls slob slobberbia, a word worthy of a poet, leaving downtown a zombie land, resembling a tired whore or a burnout businessman. Confused and boozy, neglected. <laughs> Doug Baker's comment, but that is the best of Curtis, I fear. More often he is juvenile in his versifying, a poet taste who writes, the raindrops are water dimples, tears of Indian maids and pioneer ladies who gave their best to the Northwest, or O oh, City of Roses, Long may you remain queen of roses and rain. That is the poetry of a seventh, bright seventh grader or a not too bright old lady who tries her hand in verse, adversifying to pass the lonely hours between crossword puzzles. So I'm gonna turn <laughs> between crossword puzzles. I hate crosswords. Okay, so I think we need, um, uh, I want to do a little that because there is a connection between gay pride and the Rose Festival. Because in the old days, and people, they don't do it anymore, uh, the Navy ships used to come up along the seawall there, yeah. and, and they would have shore leave, and... Uh, all the gay bars in Portland, sailors welcome, sailors welcome. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, no well, what do you remember? Give me a little, your sense of that period. Uh, that period didn't end. I saw the ships coming over here. Today? Yeah, there's ships over there. They haven't had the big one come in yet, but there's ships. Well, they have trouble getting under the bridges with the tide. Well, they have to... They have uh, to raise the bridges. Oh God, yes, yeah, because there's the title. I don't know if they're coming over this time. They were, they were stopped. They stopped because of COVID. But well, well, what, what, when, when did you experience the first uh, Rose Festival? This is serious stuff, folks. Uh, the early '90s. Oh really? Yeah. So the early '90s. Well, that's almost 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, um, I think we need. A musical break here, but what what did what did you think about it? I mean, the carnival was there, and they brought it back, and they had a, a wonderful um, 
a booming display. I hate fireworks now, even though I'm born on the 4th of July. I used to love yeah. them back then. But I, um, I want to get uh, a beautiful piece of music here in a minute. But, but you know, so remember when you could walk through it so easily and there wasn't high security and and yeah, and, was, and did you ride the rides and there was the I didn't ride the, the rides. Big, I've never been a big carnival fan. Well, I, I a little bit of it. Melissa uh -huh. liked it better. Uh, well, we talk, opinion, talk a little bit about the, your Rose... My opinion of the Rose Festival has gotten better. I used to really not... You just thought it was a tourist thing or something? Or? I just hated it. Because I was always trying to do something else, and it always got in my way. Oh, you were always trying to do yeah, something so else? Yeah, that's really what it was. Well, tell, ad lib that, and I... Yeah, but the thing is, is I have to say, you're, you're correct about there being a lot less security. I remember I had to walk, oh. I had to walk through it to get to my job. The first year I was here. What was your job like then? Uh, uh, I was working at a record store. So and and you wanted to talk a little bit about it, but I want but to... Anyway, I was walking... I had to walk through it to get to my job. And I'm walking... I'm walking, you know, past... Through the... Through the... Uh, the well, tell uh, me. The actual, like, you know, parade. So I'm, I'm like... When there's like an empty... Place, I started walking through it, and guess who was coming up? Who? Vera Katz, the mayor. Oh, Vera mayor, Katz, the, we the love mayor, The mayor was coming up, and oh. it's like, yeah, I was like thinking, wow, there is absolutely no security at this thing. And well, well let's give more. Vera a little credit. She, uh, uh, the um, east side of the river was just trash and brambles, and Vera gave us the east side esplanade. Uh, and okay. the bike path and all of that. And there's a little statue up there, and let's welcome. That's where I actually I, I go to watch the fireworks on the east side. And, and, and Vera was quite the lady, but she put her name down on the... Uh, Esplanade. Esplanade, yeah. And, okay. and, and that was a wonderful thing, because that was all brush... And homeless and drunks and winos yeah. and you know idiots and well you know it's that's that's good because it's interesting that my my opinion of Vera Katz has gone down and the, the my opinion of the Rose Festival has gone up. Okay, uh, we, just, that just because I'm a curmudgeon. I we think. all have opinions. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, I want to I want to hear a break here, but we're going to continue with the Rose Festival because here. Yeah. You know, I don't have time for this here. Here we go, here. That's great. This is great stuff. It's nice where you can get it. cut that off but let's uh uh i want to read a couple a poem or two from the uh roses of portland but 
you know, what did you think? I mean, you you say the sailors are coming up to spawn uh, with the uh, girls and the guys up, up up the Willamette River now. You think? Uh, I guess you could you could argue that yes. Well, we're over. This is a an adult show, I guess, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. And uh, but have you and you, well, you and Melissa have been dealing with a cat, but you haven't gone down there. No. Uh, I, I guess there is a fair. I have to go down there and check out the fair. You There's know. There's definitely a fair down there. Yeah, I mean, I spent years there. I took uh, one of the craziest things I ever did at the Rose Festival was. Uh, uh, took off my shirt and uh, uh, we did a uh, Bill Bowling and I uh, uh, did a uh, crazy thing called American Ferris wheel and I got and it and, and they did they had big clumsy equipment back then and um, so they put me on the Ferris wheel and I was gonna read some poetry and I had the uh, cord from the recorder <laughs> wrapped around my neck and I I damn near hang myself but we uh, American Ferris wheel I I know it can be found I assume but you know Portland has had a great history of parades and celebrations and don't you think things are coming back a little bit yeah they're coming back I think they are in, indeed, and I think they're coming back in spades, and that's what, uh, uh, you know, the Willamette Week with its uh, Gay Pride Week, but the I don't want to underestimate, um, unfortunately, maybe it's not true for all sailors, but let's use uh, semi-vulgar language. When they get off on shore leave for a day or two, they take it anywhere they, anywhere they can get it. Yeah. With whomever, I mean, it's you know, it's just, and they don't they don't feel. Uh, um, well, it depends on the gay or whatever anything. It depends they, on the person, but yeah, they're they're out there to party. Yeah, they're they're out there to party because they only have a a day or two. Um, I want to do. Um, I like. Uh, Doug Baker giving me a hard time. I, I actually, I've always uh, enjoyed adversity as a human being, <laughs> as a poet, but um, the, they tore down so many iron front buildings and stuff, and I swore I would never, I would leave Portland when they tore down all the iron front buildings and what happened is that uh, about 1960, uh, there was a national highway, federal highway bill, and and so that's when they started doing urban renewal. They uh, they destroyed the Jewish community over by Portland State, and on and on and and uh, but some things have really worked out well in Portland. Uh, the old Portland Hotel where it was it was going to end up a parking lot. Well, what's that called across from the post? What do we call it? The Pioneer, what do we call Pioneer, it? Pioneer uh, Place? Well, well, you know, the, the public uh, helpering created that. The uh, uh, Pioneer Square? Yeah, Pioneer Square, yeah, yeah. Is that what we're calling it? Well, Pioneer. Yeah, we're calling it Pioneer Square. Yeah, and uh, uh, that could have been a parking lot and then uh, just recently, uh, Portland State, uh, David Horowitz and others, uh, the uh, historian there, uh, celebrated the 50th anniversary of the uh, smashing of the protests in the park blocks. And I don't know if you know that. I was down there, and uh, um, Portland... We have to bring it back. I mean, it it it, it was built on new with New England money, and it was built with. Um, and I've been very angry at it at times, but uh, I call it the Paris of the Pacific at one time, which might be a little bit of a hyperbole, but I'm going to read uh, just. Uh, 
I could read the bad poem, but the poem, uh, I, two of these poems were put in, um, uh, made into choral music with the, uh, Gay Men's Chorus in Portland, and it was, it was I, I really appreciate that, but the, uh, and they were, they were going to go to Salt Lake City, and, and then the pandemic hit, so how damaging do you think the pandemic has been to the culture and the open mics and the, uh, they're starting to come back, but yeah, there's readings there now. Uh, give, give us a couple of the readings, and actually, this might be a good point. Well, okay, yeah. When you're when you're talking about what you're doing, what you've been doing, and yet, uh, Patrick has is hosting a show next. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? And and KB and a shout out to KBOO Radio. Yeah. So why why don't we talk so, about that? And I'll get back to this. So I'm hosting a show next Monday. Um, I have it's the theme of it is, I mean, I wrote a poem called The Places That Died Died about places, about uh, stores like the Greek Guizina, uh Cameron's Books, oh. among others that, like, went away. And not only because of the COVID and the pandemic, but before as well. I figured there was an idea, and I read it at an open mic at uh, what used to be Tony's, but it's now the last stand at Wildwood Saloon that happened on Monday, and I didn't go because of my cat. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm um, hosting the, the show next Monday, and I'm working on it. And I have uh, my ex-co-workers. Is what the will the show wait, be about? Well, go ahead. Go the see. place where I worked uh, no yeah. longer exists. They haven't torn the building down yet, I believe, but we're not open. Um, and my co-workers and I and my ex-co-workers and I are unemployed. Um, Arya Emig and uh, Stephen Meads are all, and, and I are all going to read on that show and talk about uh, various things about uh, the everyday music that we worked at or just things about like what it means to have a place go out of business. Uh, Leanne Grable and Steve Sanders are actually going to, uh, I'm going to record them in the coming week and they're going to have some stuff that they're going to read as well and add as well. And I may have a couple other people uh, if there's room. I'm still kind of putting it together. Well, well you're, yeah. you're going to do that in the in the studio, the KBOO. No. No, not in studio. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the yeah, I've uh, I've already recorded some of it, and some of it is going to be recorded soon. Now, what what date is that? Let's be. That's going to be next next uh, a week from today. Well, get give us the numbers. Uh, it's the third Monday of the month, I believe. That's the twentieth. Um, maybe wrong, but I uh, even this show, we need to give that numbers on that. But yeah. keep talking about what you're doing, and I'll find it. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, what? How did we get on the subject? That you said something and. What do you mean? What how, how, we, we, things that were we're lost talking, or what what has happened? That, yeah, there there haven't been oh, any. And open mics that are happening, or readings that are happening. No, there haven't. So been. not only is their last stand at while the saloon is happening, there's also a reading series that I saw my uh, ex coworker Aria read at called Surprise Pur Surprise. Where is at that? Yeah, that's... Kelly's Olympian. I believe it is the third Sunday of the month, but if you go on the Kelly's Olympian website, you can check it out and see who's reading. Okay, we know Kelly's Olympian, an age-old place. It was, kind of new, it was kind of a neat little uh, feature reading series. So that I was kind of impressed with the, the people I read last well, month. Well, yeah, and, and, and uh, I don't know if Barbara's coming back not yet not Bar now. Barbara will be doing shows she, she's not really wanting to do a, our to other on a regular basis for Barbara Lamorticella or uh, we give a shout out so to she Barbara is, she is trying to uh, get me to host on a regular basis and uh, I've heard rumors that you want me to to Walt no wait rumors about what I okay no, maybe, maybe I won't be uh, I only on do one basis. a month <laughs> come yes. on and yeah. Dan Raphael is still hosting every other month as well. I talked to him, and uh, yeah, he's quite up to speed on, on what he's doing. And yeah. uh, is he the second uh, Monday? So no, we're the second Monday. He's the third Monday. Okay. Every other month. Well, I'll then you're going to replace him then. I'm not replacing anyone. I, I said you're filling in. I'm filling in for Barbara this month. Yeah, yes. well, okay, fine. That's yeah, fine. It's, and it's, My uh, show is next week. Yes. Okay, well, you know, we want... Uh, people to understand uh, and I, I think uh, the KBOO community uh, 
fundraising drive was, uh, spring drive was, uh, I think, pretty successful. Uh, but y you go to kboo.fm, uh, and if you want to donate, and, and you want to donate for uh, the poets and the spoken word, I've only done this for 50 years, uh, please do it there. Uh, you kboo.fm uh, donate, and then a button will show, and you can $5 a month, or you can give $50 if you want. Uh, it, but we, uh, this yeah, is uh, one of the oldest community radio stations in America now. We're affiliated quite a bit with uh, Pacifica, but uh, the, um, this is community radio. Uh, uh, Walmart does not pay for the show. I have never made a nickel off uh, uh, the spoken word in the KBO, KBO, and I I bring guests in, and I don't I don't think Patrick has made any money off of this. No, it's actually uh, it's a voice of the community. It's mostly uh, it's mostly volunteers. There's like a, maybe about ten staff members or something like that. And we're we're doing it in in my silly well. room, and and I'm gonna make uh, make it sillier here in a minute. But well, you know, we covered uh, some bases there. Um, I haven't really dealt with uh, too much of the roses. The problem with uh, th this is um, I, I, I'm going to do it. Um, in the old days when everything was going right, and I don't think there have been any, a couple of rose festivals for a couple of years now, but now they're, now they're back. Go out and enjoy the rose festival and uh, there'll be another parade. But uh, I have so many years in the city that uh, I, I don't I don't care. I'm not an authority. I'm just what I am. Popeye the Sailor Man, I guess. So this is kind of a creepy poem, but the title is Foul Day Before the Parade. And it usually always rains around Rose Festival. And it still has been doing that somewhat. It is one of those fucked days that Portland is famous for in her most perverse hours. One day before the grand floral parade and the gray leaden skies weep cold tears, not even warmed over sorrow, the courtesy of Hash Brown's Jake's Crawfish team and squirm on slimy slimy river bottoms of the scumbag past. Hookers reach for non-existent umbrellas and douchebags. Business as usual can't be but jolly lousy literal lice. And there used to be so many signs that were on the older buildings. Ruby mist. I kind of like this one because... Uh, tuberculosis and all the d lung diseases that people had. Ruby mist, the bloody froth churning up, churned up from the lungs of consumptives, pining over lack of sunshine, wincing at cold raindrops my bare cheeks, like with a sudden undeserved spanking or visceral reminded of rubber sheets placed upon the broken mattress of slum children who pee the bed chortling. These criminally insane, same two, wet on each other, the dirty puddles splashing on bare legs of the Rose Festival court, bland queen and princess submissives. The dark sky in the day's middle is a dimming 19th century factory light. We'll lose someone in a finger in a lathe an arm mangle in machinery of nightmare. The slit of heaven grins and seeps, passes water and falls asleep. When I wrote The Rose of the Pool, I, I had a little, gives me the creeps. Count the days that I have gone insane. Each was a rainy one. Each was a rainy one. 
Now, I, we don't have time to go on here with too much. The Rose of Portland, 1974. Uh, I, I wanna, um, I'm gonna read some more, uh, but I, I wanna read for Gay Pride. But if you're gonna do Gay Pride, uh, let's do it. There's only one guy, Allen Ginsberg, who, Allen Ginsberg single-handedly created gay liberation in America. Oh, I'm gonna disagree. Well, you can disagree all you want. I love people who disagree. I, get, uh, I don't have a problem with it. Well, go ahead, respond. I don't care. Oh, I always think of Stonewall. Well, yeah, but but Allen Ginsberg, uh, with uh, with Howell and all of that came out so much. We're gonna hear his voice for a minute, and then we're gonna cut him off. No, Stonewall was a huge thing, part of gay pride. But that was in '68. Uh, it doesn't matter. But it's, a, I mean, it's after Allen Ginsberg's heyday. First no, it, it's not his hey. I read with him, and and I I begged it every, okay. in in 1989. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. He, he still the, had a heyday. Uh, yeah, but I mean the, 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 here, let's. Um, he he showed up first. Is all I meant to say. He showed up. What do we got here? Come on, yeah, Alan. Here, here. Alan Gidrick. Sixty-five. Back to work. On BLA plane leaving Prague Airport. Rainy day. Yeah, you want to. The ship whistling has begun the ascent. And the communists have nothing to offer but fat cheeks and eyeglasses and lying policemen. And the capitalists proffer napalm and money in green suitcases to the naked. And the communists create heavy industry, but the heart is also heavy. And the beautiful engineers are all dead. The secret technicians now conspire for their own glamour. In the future, in the future, but now drink vodka and lament the security forces. And the capitalists bring, drink gin and whiskey on airplanes. But let Indian brown millions starve. Indian brown millions. The just man is arrested or robbed or had his head cut off, but not like Indian Saint Kabir. And the cigarette cough of the just man above the clouds in the bright sunshine is a salute to the health of the blue sky. For I was arrested thrice in Prague, once for singing drunk on the Rodney Street once knocked down on the midnight pavement by a mustached agent who screamed out, Boozerant! Once for losing my notebooks of unusual sex politics dream opinions. And I was sent from Havana by plane by detectives in green uniform. And I was sent from Prague by plane by detectives in Czechoslovakian business suits. Like card players out of Cezanne, like the two strange dolls that entered Joseph K's room at morn also entered mine and ate at my table and examined my scribbles and followed me night and morn from the houses of lovers to the cafes of Centrum. And I am the king of May. He's the king the of May. Of sexual youth. And I am the king of May, which is industry and eloquence and action in amour. And I am the king of May, which is the long hair of Adam and the beard of my own body. And I am the king of May, which is crowned Mayalis in the Czechoslovakian tongue. And I am the king of May, which is old human poesy. And 100,000 people chose my name. And I am the king of May, and in a few minutes I will land at London Airport. And I am the king of May naturally. For I am of Slavic parentage and a Buddhist Jew who worships the sacred heart of Christ, the blue body of Krishna, the straight back of Ram, the beads of Chango, the Nigerian, singing Shiva, Shiva in a manner which I have invented. And the King of May is a middle European honor. Mine in the 20th century, despite spaceships and the time machine, because I heard the voice of Blake in a vision and repeat that voice. And I am the king of May that sleeps with teenagers laughing. <laughs> and I am the king of May. And I am the king of May that I may be expelled 
from my kingdom with honor as of old to show the difference between Caesar's kingdom and the kingdom of the May of man. And I am the king of May, though paranoid, for the kingdom of May is too beautiful to last for more than a month. And I am the king of May because I touched my finger to my forehead, saluting a luminous, heavy girl on LSD with trembling hands who said, one moment, Mr. Ginsburg, before a fat young plainclothesman stepped between our bodies. I was being shoved off to England. And I am the King of May, returning to see Blake's bones on Bunhill Fields and walk as Keith on Amstead East. And I am the King of May in a giant jet plane, touching Albion's airfield, trembling in fear as a plane roars to a landing on the great concrete, shakes and expels air, and rolls slowly to a stop under the clouds with a part of blue heaven still visible. And though I am the King of May, the Marxists have beat me upon the street, kept me up all night in police station, followed me through springtime Prague, detained me in secret, stolen my poems, and deported me from our kingdom by jet plane. Thus, I have written this poem on a jet seat in mid-heaven. Now, that's the great Allen Ginsberg. Uh, he was a phenomenon. He was a force, and I don't think there would be... Uh, I agree with you that Stonewall was very important, and we had to keep moving this along. And what what do we got? What time is it? And uh, uh, I want about fourteen minutes. I want to uh, recommend that you go to all the uh, uh, gay pride events just uh, to honor the LGBT plus Q community and all those issues of gender. I'm not getting into into. I identified as being, uh, I was fighting with my identity. I went to all of the old uh, gay bars. Uh, uh, and I, oddly enough, I, I, didn't, I didn't like the behavior. I'm a romantic and I, I, didn't, I didn't like, uh, uh, and it was pretty weird. About 1980, uh, uh, AIDS hit pretty hard and devastated. Uh, the gay community, but some of it was brought on by very bad behavior because gay liberation had meant back then um, going to 10 bathhouses after the bar closes or going into the bathroom and and uh, snapping a popper toward the end of the evening. And uh, unfortunately, the uh, lesbian and gay communities were sort of separated in those days. Uh, they had their own bar, and uh, uh, dyke and femme were terms used, and all of these terms that might offend people, they were used really, and uh, um, and I, I never appreciated it, but there were always two or three or four fag hags who hung out with uh, um, um, uh, gays, and, uh, uh, and I thought, is this really who I am or what am I? And, and I, I don't think it was, but I don't put people down. I just say that um, it was a weird time uh, and, and about 1980 and they hadn't had AIDS, they hadn't had proteaser medicines and a lot of people died in gay holocaust and I'm so glad they got proud and they uh, got their civil rights and marriage and whatever they want if they want marriage oh. in the old days um, Hopefully it doesn't get taken away. Well, I, it's not gonna get taken away. No, no that, that, that might be what they come for next after Bo versus Oh, I, <laughs> I don't think they'll take you know uh, Two gay professional males are worth two hundred thousand dollars on the hoof and they have well, that's the ones that are uh, a year and they and there are people like that my my opinion about some of that older gay culture, it deserved to change, and it deserved to become more interested in what was happening with black people or brown people or or poor people. But in the beginning, it was sort of self-centered, I think, and 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 uh, this is a criticism, and I you I'll, a criticism, and I will. I will uh, say we got to play some music here in a minute, but 
the deal is, uh, I find, I found in those days a lot of neurotic behavior, uh, the language of um, Mary and limp, hi Mary, uh, limpress and all of this kind of thing. And, and it was sort of neurotic behavior because I think that uh, the gay community or the LGBT community hadn't uh, gathered a lot of strength to become proud. And I'm so glad uh, they are, but it, it, in the old days, it was more uh, about sexual um, adventure and, and stuff like that. And I think it did a disservice to the community, they, I, I shouldn't do this, but I'm going to. I, I don't know why there is so much, what, I, what we used to call drag queen, cross-dressing, mimicking uh, of women. Now, would you explain that to me? I mean, I love Darcel. Well, I'm, I'm a hetero guy, so uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm gonna be able to you explain can't do that. to you, but the one thing I could say, Go ahead. I wasn't there. I mean, I was growing up in the 70s. I was like... Well, not was, too long away to yeah, run I mean, out of time. But uh, my, my inkling, what I have of it, is that it wasn't just like the gay community was promiscuous. It was the hetero community was like... Yes, it was called religious. sexual liberation. Exactly. Yes, and there was a ton of that. And, that and, and it was kind of a mistake. It was kind of vulgar and ugly... And and really, you should have romantic, uh, uh, romantic romance if you care about it, somebody. It didn't work for you, is what you're telling me. Uh, it doesn't work for anyone, you know. I've had ten thousand self-generated orgasms. Fine. Do you know why? Because I didn't want to. Yeah, I get it. I, get I deal it. with that. My imagination uh, allowed me to have very sensitive, uh, and 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 I think. Uh, Henry Miller and, and, and some of these characters uh, just went a little f too far. Uh, uh, I, I don't want to do this. Uh, anyway. I know I, I, I don't want to do this. Well, what I want to say, I think the gay community has matured. Uh, I have meant uh, a number, I'm not going to mention any names, a number of uh, uh, men who, uh, it, it's curious to me, but... Uh, they had families, and then they decided in their middle age uh, to be have a gay way of life. And yeah. I don't it. All of this is is choice, and that's what's wrong with Roe versus Wade. You're not going to tell uh, women how they should handle their bodies. Their bodies yeah. are their bodies. They're not. I. They're not my body. I don't want my body. Uh, what if every male had to? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I know where you're going. Yeah, well, go there. Yeah, go there. I, Tell okay. us Rovers. I'm waited. crossing my legs right now. Well, you're crossing your legs. You're getting nervous. <laughs> anyway, don't worry about that. Um, gay pride is wonderful. There's a long history to this. But, you know, to tell you the truth, uh, this program <laughs> is not drawing into the end here. But I, I what I want to bring up is uh, this is a literary program, a literary show. And 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 I need to bring up. Uh, I I didn't realize. I and I I, I really need to do that. That uh, I know the British school system was very bad because uh, there were no girls in the school system. They were all you know they were. Uh, all young males, and they bonded with each other. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't have a problem with it. I've said it, it wasn't uh, very no, uh, normal, and uh, and I was just shocked at uh, reading there's a movie coming out uh, uh, called Benediction about uh, uh, Sigurd Sassoon. I want you to read some of the First World War poets. They're great. A.E. Hausman was a closet uh, poet who we, we know him, and I'm going to read uh, a few of these things, and we're uh, we're going to get lost here. Wilfred Owen uh, died on the last day of the First World War. You know that pandemic, the Spanish flu, and, and trench warfare. I recommend this film. Uh, Mel Gibson, if you can believe that, and and uh, his Australian. Uh, 
friend made uh, an early film called Gallipoli, and it shows the insanity of warfare. And and check it out; it's a great film. And what they used to do was fight over fifty or a hundred feet, and the uh, lieutenant in charge would tell them to go up, stand up, go forward, and rescue that hundred feet from the Germans. <laughs> and they all got slaughtered. And Gallipoli shows the insanity of warfare. William Stafford could tell you that, and many others, and Allen Ginsberg. But, you know, um, that there is a quirk in the human psyche that is very weird, and I have to put on... Oh, I'm going to... I want to read uh, Wilfred Owen for Wilfred Owen and a couple of... Uh, and I didn't realize he... But, you know, when you put young men together... Uh, it's, it's, uh, here, this is a great anti-war, uh, Wilfred Owen, O-W-E-N, and where are my glasses, and I want to do this well, and okay, I'm stepping on them, thank you, and, uh, and I think maybe, well, we're not going to worry about, Dulce et decorum. Come on, I need music. Dulce et decorum. Uh, let me... Uh, let's... Oh, let's put in... Um, oh, we need real music. <laughs> we need... Um, well, keep talking. What, what do you know about the First World War? What do you know about the First World War? Uh, that was... 60 million people died. Yes. And it was a war of traitors. John Reed uh, from Portland, Oregon, and he would die in the Soviet Union because the State Department. I'm afraid he tried to stop Woodrow Wilson, America, from going into the First World War. I'm afraid I never did properly understand the drama and the glory of of the... This war, talking about all wars, but <laughs> we'll go ahead here. I never did understand it. Those first weeks coming up through France, as if I would never get out of my mind those beflowered troops, troop trains full of laughing, singing boys. The class of 1914, bound so gaily, unthinkingly to the front, uh, sick with N, uh, not stern, and Paris, not stern, stoical, heroic, John Reed, the great uh, Portland, I mean, American uh, journalist who rode with Pancho Villa. Here. Uh, uh, stoical, heroic, all reporters described it. Sick with fear, full of civilian panic, citizens trampling down women and children in the wild rush to get on the trains for the South. France was a nation rising en masse to repel invasion, but without much stomach for a slaughter. Most people, I think, felt to be utterly stupid and useless. Uh, First World War was called the War of Traitors, which is a homonym for T-R-A-I-T-O-R-S. The shock and then the slow, inevitable dislocation of... of uh, The flags, the emptiness, spy crazes, wild-eyed women, the German airplanes dully dropping bombs from overhead, the shock, slow and inevitable dislocation of ordinary life, the growing tension later on the one-armed, one-leg, the men gone mad from shell fire, in side streets, lengthening lines of wretched poor at the public kitchens, 
the Battle of Marne was something to go wild with delight about. But by that time, no one was left in Paris to celebrate. Decked with thousands of flags, the city lay smiling vapidly in the bright sunlight, her streets empty, her nights black. The, those things cease to be when the whole of a nation's manhood is drained into the trenches. There's no such thing as heroism when millions of men face the most ghastly death in such a spirit as the armies of Europe have faced these three years, 1914-1911-19. Millions of heroes! It makes military courage the cheapest thing in the world. So we're going back to Wilfred Owen. I don't know if that's the right music, but we'll, we'll turn it off for a minute. Dulce et decorum est. And Sigrid, Siegfried Sassoon, you've got to look these poets up, and you've got to look up uh, the great... Uh, uh, come on, Curtis. The great... Uh, no, we have... Uh, come on, the... Uh, A.E. Houseman. That's what I was going to read in A.E. Houseman. Anyway, Dulce et decorum is, is Latin for sweet and decorous it is to die for your pro patria more, for your country. Bent double like old beggars under sacks, knock-kneed, coughing like hags. We curse through sludge as the First World War. Go see Gallipoli. Till on the haunting flares we turned our backs and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched to sleep. Many had lost their boots but limped on, bloodshot. All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of tired, outstripped five nines that dropped behind. Gas, gas, quick boys, an ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time, but someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime, dim through the misty panes, thick green light under a green sea. I saw him drowning gas. In all my dreams, before my helpless sight, he Plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. It's one of the greatest anti-war poets in the world. If in some smothering dreams you too could pace beyond the wagon that we flung him in and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like a devil sick of sin, if you could hear at every jolt the blood come gargling from the froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cud of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues. My friend, you would not tell me with such high zest to children ardent for some desperate glory, the old lie, dulce et decorum es pro patria. It is sweet and decorous to die for your country. Wilford Owen. Okay, uh, as always, <laughs> as always, this is an A.E. Houseman. He is a very famous poet, but uh, he um, wrote an anti-war poem, and I wrote an essay called War and Eros. We're not going to get deeply into that. Um, what I'm going to say is that he was a bit of a gay closet case, student of the classics. He ordered his brother Lawrence to destroy his prose manuscripts after his death, so we have few, we have few to choose from. All have an elegiac, ironic tone. Young Brits Terence, who died for the price of empire, British empire, cut off from their native land. Buried on a foreign shore, brave and handsome boys. Terence and others who did their duty for country. There is much bitterness, sense of loss, or friendship lost in, the, in these deathless poems. 
Was Hausman ever truly happy? I don't know. But he is haunted and ruined by human possibility. And that's what I say, that war and eros, there is an erotic component happens with the young soldiers and, and, and friendship. And this is the one I stumbled across, which they never bring up. Perhaps the most moving, is it love, is it a gesture of maidenly submission? What is it? Startling and confessional. Perhaps the most moving anti-war, every anti-war anthology should highlight, highlight this lyric, but none have ever done so. I reprint this amazing poem to prove that I have studied great poetry and the humanistic point it makes. War is romantic. Beautiful young men slay each other. In a don't ask, don't talk modern American military, this poem lets the cat out of the bag. Why kill your enemy? Shouldn't you two be in love with each other in the prime and glory of your youth? Thank, thanks for pointing out the deathless truth, A.E. Hausman. And here it is. I want you to listen to this carefully. I did not lose my heart in summer's evening when roses to the moonrise burst apart, when plumes were under heel and lead was flying, in blood and smoke and flame I lost my heart. I lost it to a soldier and a foeman, a chap that did not kill me, but he tried. He took the saber straight and took it striking and laughed and kissed his hand to me and died. You know, there is something about eroticism and death and let's put on some music here and we're almost, I can't do this anymore. Read uh, A.E. Houseman, Gerard, Manley Hopkins, uh, read, uh, I don't like this music here, uh, read uh, uh, Sigrid Sassoon and the great Wilfred Owen. And ironically, he died almost on the last day of the First World War. 60 million people would go down. I recommend the, the Australian movie Gallipoli. And I would say that... Um, no more war, no more uh, VFW baloney and uh, Memorial Days that glorify the destruction of our, our lives and the military-industrial complex is controlling us and a little music and we'll be done. You've been listening to KBL Portland. A sós com os meus botões No vão da minha janela Fico pensando Que qualquer coisa